This is uh, probably the largest crowd that I've spoken to here in this church, and I'm so glad you're here this morning. I think I'm on the walkie-talkie now, and um, I have you turn right now to the book of Psalms, Psalm 40, very familiar passage. I could not uh, get this off my heart and mind, and so... uh, feel like this is what we're supposed to uh, look into this morning. Let me congratulate you on uh, 20 years. How many have been here for 20 years besides, okay, a few? You know, in a church, people come and go, but if it's a true church, there will always be a core, and there will always be that local body that stays with the stuff. Stays in the work, continues to uh, to grow, and uh, so I congratulate you for being faithful here. Some came along a little bit later, and they've been here for years, and uh, you've been a blessing to me and my wife every time we come here, and we're thankful for Pastor Montoro and for his vision, and as he said, some people say it can't be done here. Let me tell you this, there's, there's some churches across our nation, they couldn't handle this. They couldn't handle all the different nationalities. I mean, that would really blow their mind to see a group line up like that and come by and say, praise God, in their own language. But that's a blessing, isn't it? Amen. And, you know, that's what world missions is all about, reaching everyone we possibly can. So uh, we congratulate you again and... Pray that greater things will come, and um, tonight, if you will tolerate me, I would like to um, tell you how you can go to greater things tonight, right here, on this very platform, all right? Um, I want to give you the key tonight. I feel like God has laid this on my heart for our nation, and For the churches that I'm in, that's what I've been um, trying to do as I travel from church to church. And so uh, I want you to come tonight and and hear this message. And it'll be relatively painless, okay? Uh, I'm not going to do like the uh, fellow said that when I was preaching in a church out... uh, east of Springfield, Missouri, south of Fort Leonardwood. And the man in the church told me one time, he said, uh, said we had a fellow come along here uh, preach in this church for a while, and he said then one day he got up there, and this, this is how he said it. He said, he just tore the fuzz out of things. <laughs> and you ever see a, a, a dog take a stuffed toy and tear it up? Sometimes preachers do that, you know. I'm not here to do that. I want to help you. And so, uh, please come. Now I got your curiosity up, and uh, it'll be wonderful. All right, let's read these words here in Psalm 40. Psalm 40, verse 1 through 3. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the mire clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. And he put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. 
Father, we ask that you would bless your word today. We thank you for this assembly. We pray, God, that you would be glorified in the preaching of your word. Uh, we pray for any that may be here that have never really put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ or not really born again. If they leave this world today, they don't have the assurance that they'd go to be with you. They don't have the assurance that all their sins are forgiven. And so, Lord, we pray that you would speak to those hearts. And then I pray, Lord, you'd be an encouragement today to your people, those who know you, know they're saved. Some going through battles, some maybe in down in the pit. I don't know, Lord, what the, is in the hearts today. But I pray you'd help, God. I pray you'd bless. Thank you again for this time. And we'll give you glory and praise for what you do. In Christ's name, we ask it. Amen. Somebody titled this passage here, Out of the Mire, Mire, Into the Choir. Uh, that's not my title. I, I just want to uh, show you what God did for David here and uh, who was involved. I have an, another message I preached, and I'm not sure where the outline came from. It, it really doesn't sound like one of mine, but I have preached it in the past. Um, and I'm not going to give you all the points, but they all were alliterated. Uh, that's not what I'm preaching. And uh, those who heard this on uh, on Wednesday night um, in August uh, before the wedding uh, at Opaz, uh, you bear with me. Uh, I think about a, uh, a musician that played the mandolin, and uh, people tried to copy him. He was pretty popular, and one day after a show... A uh, fellow came in the parking lot where this uh, instrumentalist was standing and came up with his mandolin and started playing uh, the same piece that this artist had played and uh, copied it, I guess, to a T. And the artist uh, said, let me see your mandolin. And he uh, took it and he played it completely different and uh, bugged the guy's eyes out and ears off uh, how he, right on the spot, Changed the whole thing, uh, you know. Uh, what what is the idea? Arrangements while you wait, <laughs> and uh, a lot of times, you know, we may preach the same passage or the same idea, but different things come in. So you stay awake and listen, okay? Uh, and I'm speaking to Peter and Ashley, <laughs> because they were there. I don't know if anybody else was, but I'm not going to worry about it. David said, I waited patiently for the Lord and inclined unto me, and he heard my cry. He brought me also up out of a horrible pit, out of the mire clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings, and put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. And that, that is a beautiful picture of salvation, but uh, we're not all agreed that this is a testimony of David's salvation. Uh, it seems that in a uh, two previous songs, uh, they are prelude to, the, uh, pre, prelude rather, to this psalm, um, and some have said it was after he went into Bathsheba and the affliction that followed. So whatever the background, David was in desperate straits, and he needed help. He needed God uh, to deliver him. And so it's good for us today. Now, I want you to notice, first of all, what David did. It's very simple. What David did. There are two things here that, that it says he did in this passage. He waited patiently, first of all. David said, I waited patiently for the Lord. 
And there's the power, enough in God to help the weakest of us. I don't know what problem you may have today, what so-called pit that you're in. We, we get in different pits. We get in a, a backslidden state. That's a pit to be in. We, uh, we get discouraged or we uh, get depressed. I don't know what the problem might be. Or it might be you're here today and you're not saved. You need, you need to come to Christ today and trust Him. You can take care of that very easily if you're ready for it. Why is it we fight what is the very best thing that could happen to us? I'm talking about salvation. To know that everything's all right between you and your God. To know that all your sins have been taken care of. To know that you're going to be with Jesus forever. There's only two choices. I mean, two options, I should say. One is to trust Jesus Christ and go with him forever. Or the other is to go to hell. There is a hell. The Bible teaches there's a hell. And let me remind you, there's no book like this book. And and uh, you can study this book. I remember my uh, brother-in-law was a, was a drunk, really. He'd gotten to be uh, so uh, hooked on alcohol that he ended up being a drunk. And somebody had given him a New Testament. I don't know who it was, whether it was his mother or who, but he got in such a mess when he was in the service that he decided he needed some spiritual help and he, he started reading. He said he, he started reading the New Testament or the Bible, whichever it was, with a bottle of whiskey in one hand and the Bible in the other hand. And pretty soon the bottle of whiskey went. And last spring, a year ago, I went to his funeral down in Georgia. And uh, People got up and testified of what an influence he'd been on them. A number of people, and they told about his mission work and so on. Things I never knew about him. But you know what changed his life? This book right here. This book. David waited patiently. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for today? To find the will of God? You can find the will of God. Are you waiting for victory over some sin? You know, uh, some people get saved and it seems like that they have no more problem with sin. They're just delivered. And then others battle with it. And as they go through life, God shows them more and more that needs to be changed and so on. But maybe you're battling with some sin today. There's victory in God. There is victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you have depression. A lot of people are depressed. Uh, and it's a horrible thing. It said of uh, Spurgeon, that great uh, preacher from England, Charles Spurgeon, that he had periods and times of depression. But there is hope in Jesus Christ. The other day, I was getting a little down myself about some things that were happening and, and trying to... Take care of problems and work out problems among people. And it seemed like a devil just trying to ride me and just bring me down and trying to get me depressed and think about this. And, and in the night, early in the morning, the Lord just 
gave me that verse, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. And I just started thinking about that and how the Lord cares for me. If nobody else cares for me, Jesus Christ cares for me. We have a living God. How about deliverance from financial woes? Sometimes uh, there's a lot of college students like this. They've uh, put their expenses for college on a credit card. They graduate and now they can't find a job. And they have to go home with mom and dad and, and try to work at part-time or get some uh, small hourly rate working someplace to try to pay back their bills. Well, uh, first of all, uh, as a child of God, and you know what? I even believe that God will bless uh, physically. I believe he'll bless people who try to do right even though they're saved, not saved. We had a professor that used to say you ought to live right whether you're saved or not. That's right. It used to be, it used to be in this country that people lived right. You don't have, you don't have to worry about locking your house. You can leave the keys in your car. Now back in our area where it used to be like that, constantly there's a crime report on this one lost their automobile, this one lost some medicine they had, people have to dope today, and all that mess that's going on. But if you put God first in your finances, if you give it at least a tenth, and then maybe put a little bit away for yourself, not a whole lot, but just a little bit, for some crunch you may get into. And you'll do that. God will bring you out of it. He can deliver you. You put him first, he can do miraculous things for you. Isn't this a testimony right here that God can do miracles? Amen. Amen. Are you waiting for the rapture? Uh, some of you uh, may be just sitting around, not doing a whole lot, because you're waiting on the rapture, say it's uh, it's so close, and uh, I'm just going to sit here and wait for him to come. Uh, God can't work anymore; it's uh, it's all over with in this country. Uh, no, here's an example of what God can do, and He can do a lot more. So get busy, occupied till I come. Amen. Amen. The second thing that David did here was he he cried, he prayed. He prayed. And when it says that David cried, I don't think it was uh I don't think it was a quiet devotion that he was having. I think he was deeply distressed, and you know, when I've seen God really work in my life is times when I I got distressed and I poured out my heart to him and cried unto him. And I know if uh it's kind of hard in this in a situation like this, uh to cry out you uh may disturb somebody else, but that might not be so bad. At least I know you're praying. So it's, it's a word here that indicates that uh, his soul is deeply burdened about something. So that's what David did. He waited patiently for the Lord. Sometimes we have to wait for a long time before we get married. <laughs> I was 29 and a half when I got married. The fellow was... Uh, saying to me, oh, the impatience of, of, young, of young people. When did you get married? Well, when he was somewhere around 20. Uh, but he was uh, chiding me because I sounded impatient. And then one day, 
out here on Long Island in a closet where I was remodeling the apartment for this lady. I got down on my knees in that closet, and I said, Lord, everybody that was going to get married in my high school class had gotten married. Everybody that was going to get married in the uh, Bible college class uh, has gotten married. And uh, here I am still single, and what about this, God? And he let me know. It wasn't an audible voice. He just gave me peace about it. And in it, he said to me, you're going to meet somebody shortly. And three, three weeks later, there she was. I met her. And so, I don't know, you might be waiting for that. But don't be like the woman, the married woman that said, uh, I'm praying that God will give me a good husband. That's not a prayer he's going to answer. Work out the situation that you have. I know it's a cliche, but if you married a lemon, make lemonade, right? <laughs> Secondly, I want you to see uh, briefly today what God did. David just did two things. He waited on God, and secondly, he cried unto the Lord. And uh, the first thing we see here is uh, he inclined, God inclined unto him. Notice what he said. He inclined unto me, as if to lean forward and say, hey, there's somebody down there crying out. No, God's not deaf, but that's the picture that David has here. He inclined unto him, and it reminds me of our little dog, Brickle, a German dog, you know, Dashhound, that uh, comes to my side where I'm eating. He knows that I have a tender heart towards him, and he'll sit there like this, up one, you know, on his tail end, and uh, paws like this, uh, looking up at me, waiting for something. Sometimes he'll whine a little bit. He wants something. Well, if you give him something that has spices in it, you know, it, it's not good for him. We found that out. He kept us up one night, but for a while. <laughs> but uh, after a while, you know, he, he gets through to me. And so it's the idea that David is, David is looking towards God and he's crying out and he's waiting. He's waiting for God to hear him and answer him. And God leans down so to speak, and looks at him. Amen. Amen. Then the second thing it tells us here in this passage of Scripture, that God heard him. Oh, it's a wonderful thing when God hears you. Uh, Mr. Bonar said, In order to grow in grace, we must be much alone. It is not in society, even Christian society, that the soul grows most vigorously. In one single quiet hour of prayer, it will often make more progress than in those days of company with others. Today, a lot of times, and I'm guilty of this, we'll come to church, we'll get out in the lobby, and not uh, long ago, the, somebody said to me, what about them ears? He's talking about the mountaineers and about what they did. And we get to talking about football or something else or hunting, bow hunting or whatever. But he said, uh, and there's nothing wrong with talking about those things, but what I'm saying is that too many times we have our mind on something else. And so he's saying that in one single quiet hour of prayer, it will often make more progress than in days 
of company with others. It is the, in the desert that the dew falls freshest and the air is purest. And he tells us, I think I already mentioned this scripture this week, but scripture is always good. Verse John 5, 14 and 15, And this is a confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if he hear us, we know that whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. So one of the hardest things, I guess, is to get the ear of God, is to pray right. You know, Paul said praying always in the Spirit. And I've been thinking a lot about that lately, praying always in the Spirit. And allowing the Spirit to guide you in prayer. And when He's guiding you and when He burdens you for something, you can believe that you're going to get the answer. Amen. Then the uh, next thing we see that God did is he brought him up. He brought him up. It was out of a horrible pit. And let me ask you today, what is your pit? What pit are you in this morning? Or is, is everything all right? We heard a message last week about the different planes that people are in. There's a natural man, that's the unsaved person. There's a carnal man who's saved, but he's not living for God like he should. He's not living on that higher plane. And there's a spiritual man. And you might be on that spiritual plane, and you may not need anything today. Well, you're in good shape to pray for somebody else. Amen? Well, bless the Lord. I once read about a man that down south somewhere that fell into a pit of water, and it was filled with... Uh, uh, Cottonmouth snakes. And it's one of the four poisonous snakes in the United States, and they're very sneaky. They, they can bite you underwater. And he was covered with snake bites, and of course he died. That'd be a horrible death. But I want to tell you something. The pit of sin is much more deadly. And where it ends up is an eternal place of suffering and fire. So he brought him up. Out of a horrible pit, out of the mari clay. Uh, do you ever feel like, you know, you get you get stuck in something that dis, dishonors God, some sin or something, and you just can't get the victory over it? Uh, you're in a pit, and you need the, the Lord to bring you up out of it. You need help. Amen. Have you ever been stuck in mud, red clay mud? You don't have that around here, but... I remember when I was a young fella, back where I was born, a lot, a lot of the roads were just clay. There was no gravel or anything put on them, and you just they'd get wet in the, in the wintertime, and you could get stuck in that worse than getting stuck in snow. Some people just go off and leave their vehicles alongside the road. They couldn't get out. This is the idea here. He said, he brought me up out of a horrible pit out of Amari clay. And then the next thing he did, he set my feet upon a rock, he said. And that rock is the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, if you've gotten off the rock, if you wandered away, you need to get back on the rock. I know you can't lose your salvation, but as far as standing for him and serving him and being a testimony for him, uh, you can get away from him. You need to get your foundation back on the Lord Jesus Christ again. And then he established my goings. Established my goings, he said. In 1 Peter 5, 10, and 11, it says, But the, the God of all grace, 
who called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. He's saying he called you into his eternal glory. That means you've been saved. And after you've suffered a while, and we all go through that. Sometimes it's, it's mental torment. Sometimes the devil comes to you and works on your mind and tries to turn you around and get you to thinking about. Has anyone ever, has anyone had this thought? Maybe I committed unpardonable sin. You ever have that come through your mind? You know, the devil, back when I was a young Christian, it tried to convince me that I'd committed the unpardonable sin. It's ridiculous because once we're saved, we're saved forever. Amen? Amen. And so uh, why worry about that? He'll try to get you to work, worry about all kinds of things. But he said, after that, you've suffered a while. I'll make you perfect, complete in Christ, establish you, strengthen you, settle you. David said, he established my goings. I mean, I was able to walk past that bar where I used to go and just leave it behind and never go in there anymore. Establish my goings. I, I, once I got saved, I never went. I'm not talking about myself. I'm just giving you an example. I was able to pass up, pass up that flop house, amen. I, I was able to turn from that sin. I was able to go where he wanted me to go. I, I don't know what all this involves, but I know one thing. The Lord brought David up out of a horrible pit, out of the mire clay, set his feet upon a rock, established his goings. And one other thing, he said he has put a song, a new song in my mouth. A new song, a song of praise to the Lord. And then... We've seen what David did. David waited on God, and David cried unto God. God brought him up, put him on a solid rock, established his goings, put a new song in his mouth. Here's what others did. Watch this. They, it says, many shall see it. I asked you this question already this week. Has anyone, anyone been able to see it in you? Has anyone been able to see that you're changed, that you're different? I was talking to uh, uh, Peter the other day here in, about the revival that came into Welch country, and they said that uh, the mules and the horses they used in the mines had to learn a new language once the callers started uh, getting saved and their language changed. Like. Um, they had to learn a new language. You know, it, there's a change when people get saved. Life is different. It's something God does. It, it's not that we turn over a new leaf, that we stop cursing or stop lying and stealing and, and having bad attitudes, but it's, it's God that moves in and starts doing things in us and prompting us and reminding us and drawing us along and establishes our goings. Others saw it. Something else. When they saw that change, they began to fear. When they saw that change in David, they began to fear. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's right. That's what happens when people get saved. They begin to make excuses or sometimes they separate from your company, won't have anything to do with you because you got saved. You're different. You're odd. You're an oddball now. Well, we are peculiar people. 
Bless the Lord, we all different. We are we are different. He said they feared. What a lack of fear we have today. The fear of God. When a, at a convention, a bunch of people can say, we don't, we don't need God in our party. We don't want Him in our party. I don't want to get political, but uh, we need to think about those things. Amen. When we make decisions, we need to think about things like that. There's something, we went down, uh, Brother Stephen finally got us to the 9-11 memorial yesterday. And um, after we'd seen a good portion of New York City out the train windows, bless his heart. Uh, Thank you, Steve, wherever you are uh, for what you did. I'm just having a little fun here. But uh, we got there at that... uh, one, one fountain and, you know, all those names there along that uh, railing or whatever it is. And um, one of them said a certain name. Now, listen to this. A name of some lady and a, her child that she was carrying. Do you get that? You know what I'm saying? And they, they don't want to call it a child in the abortion clinic. It's just a blob of flesh. But it is a child. Amen, Brother Marshall. It is a child. Amen. And uh, we need some fear in this world. A fear for God in the sense that we, re- we have all towards him. And believe what his word says. And respect. And you know what else happened? And this is what we desire, isn't it? It said, many shall see it. Talking about David, when he was brought up out of the pit. When he was walking in a new way. When his life was changed. I think he was backslidden. I think he got down in a horrible pit that way. I don't think it's about his salvation, but it's a good picture of salvation, or however you want to treat this. But it says, they saw it, and they feared, and they did what? They trusted in the Lord. Isn't that what we desire? When we get up and start walking right, people see that we're different, and sooner or later, they're going to be changed. Now, are you in a pit today? I think about when I was in Bible college, and I had the GI Bill, and Another friend of mine had a GI Bill, and so we didn't have to work, and uh, we were always in debt. But we, <laughs> we did work some, but uh, we, were, we had more freedom than some of the other students that had to work for everything. And so one uh, spring morning, or afternoon rather, my friend said to me, let's go hunt some mushrooms, I mean, those morels that grow in the woods in the early spring. So we went out north of Springfield to Daniels, was it McDaniels Lake, somewhere up there, around that lake, and started walking through the woods. And we saw, or rather we heard, a whimper. It sounded like a little puppy. And we traced it down to an old home site, and uh, there was a well, a dug well. I, I suppose it was probably about that wide across. 
and it was laid up with stones all around, maybe 16 or 18 foot deep, and it was dry. And there was a forked limb, it was sharp forks that had fallen down in that well. And in the forks of that limb, down the bottom of that well, was a little baby red fox caught by the neck. And he couldn't get up, and he couldn't get down, and he knew he was going to die. Well, at least uh, he must have had some idea that he was going to die. And he was yelping, and he didn't care who came by. If it was a hound or some farmer with a gun, he knew that he was caught and he couldn't get free. And all he could do was look up and cry and yell. And you know what? I, I see in that a picture of a, a person who's down in that pit. It might be... Uh, like I said, depression, you might be backslidden or it might be the fact that you're lost and you're down. You feel like you're in a pit and you can't get out. And that uh, fox just hung there and it was uh, emancipated. It hadn't had any food in a while. And so it didn't mind at all. The other boy that was with me, a uh, young man who was with me, was uh, kind of chubby. And it was, I was elected to go down in the well and bring that fox out. Uh, so we brought that fox up and we took it back to the dormitory and we fed it some things, got its health back. We uh, took it down to the cafeteria and teased uh, the girls with it and Mrs. Ward, the cook. And But we knew that uh, Brother Woodworth, the business manager of the college, uh, certainly wouldn't want us to have a baby fox in our room. So we decided to take it back out where we found it and uh, along a little road there by that old home place and we let it loose. That fox started running down that road and picking up speed. And all of a sudden it darted in the bushes and it was gone, gone forever. Gone away to kill some farmer's chickens in the future. <laughs> but we had mercy on that little baby fox. It was uh, in deep trouble. And you know what? The only answer for it was to cry and look up. And there may be some of you this morning that you're bound by sin or... If you died today, you wouldn't have uh, a clear idea or an assurance that you're going to heaven. And, uh, you know, it's very simple to be saved. The first step is to realize your need. To see yourself a sinner before God. To realize that you all are on the way to hell. And then, uh, come to the Lord. What was uh, that verse they sang, it was so wonderful, this song they did this morning, all those different uh, praise the Lord in different languages, but it says uh, the vilest offender who truly believes uh, the moment they trust Jesus they're saved, amen? The vilest offender that truly believes and I don't know what your sin is, and I don't care to know. You bring it to Jesus Christ, but if you're here today without Christ, you need to come to Him. Make a decision. I know it's hard sometimes. I remember the first time I stepped out, and I was, uh, quote-unquote, a religious person. I read the Bible, I tithed, I prayed, I talked about Jesus, but I wasn't saved. I hadn't been born again. Are you truly born again? Just think about it. I got to thinking about what it would be like to die because the Lord had... Through a song that we were singing, an invitation, something about going to hell, I got to thinking about what it would be like. And just like that, the Spirit of God convicted me that I was lost and going to hell. 
it seemed like it said, he said to me, you're going to hell and what are you going to do about it? And it took me a while to make that first step. I know it's not easy, but once you make that first step, God will go with you. He went with me that day. And the difference was nobody could take the Bible. They took me back room and prayed with me. Nobody took the Bible and showed me how to be saved. You have to have the conviction of the Holy Spirit and you have to have the Word of God. And there are people here today that can help you if you really want to be saved. Let's stand to our feet right now. Some things we have to wait for. Some things we have to wait for. But once you know you're lost, you don't have to wait to be saved. For this is the day of salvation. So we ask you, well, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. How many can lift your hand today and say, I know that if I died this moment, no one looking around, please, would you cooperate? Would you cooperate, please? Heads bowed and eyes closed. Would you lift your hand today? And by uh, that, you're saying, you're testifying that you know that you've been saved. You know that you're saved. And if you left this world, you'd go to be with the Lord. Would you lift your hand up? Lift it up. You know, that's uh, pretty well everybody, and we appreciate your cooperation. Thank God for those that have trusted him. Now, for those who didn't raise their hand, these folks that lifted their hand, they're not bragging about how good they are or anything like that. What they're saying by that uplifted hand, they're testifying the fact that they saw themselves a sinner and trusted Jesus as their Savior. And they're counting on that totally. They're depending on him to take them to heaven, and he will keep his promise. So while we're waiting just a moment to pray, if you're not sure you're saved, would you want to request prayer for your salvation? You don't have to say a word, and nobody's going to come and twist your arm, but you're not sure you're saved today, and you're concerned about it. Say, no, no, I, I don't have the assurance I'm going to heaven, but I wish God's people would pray for me. I, I lift my hand today. Indicating that I, I know I'm not saved, but I do have a desire to be saved. I certainly want to get saved before I leave this world and have that assurance. Would you pray for me by an uplifted hand? Would you do that? Would you lift it up? It's just a step in the right direction. Lifting your hand doesn't necessarily save you. Although if faith was applied to it and you were ready, and you would say, you'd be saying, I'm taking Christ today and you're trusting him. Yes, you would be saved. But if you're not sure you're saved, would you like to lift your hand? Anyone with that need today? Okay, I see one hand. Thank you. Anyone else? Remember me in prayer. Yes. Anyone else? Folks, while our heads are bowed, eyes are closed, would you pray for these two? Anybody else? Remember me in prayer today. I'm not sure I'm saved. Anyone else? You know, God's Spirit speaks, and He speaks, but sometimes He just kind of goes his way and lets you go on your way. So while he's speaking and while you're concerned about it, why don't you do the thing that you should? Let us pray for you, all right? Anyone else? Father in heaven, we ask that you would be with these that have lifted your hand. We pray, God, that you would help them to uh, make that decision, Lord Jesus, to turn their hearts over to you, Lord, and 
and receive you as their Savior. Lord, would they say yes to you today? And we pray for your people, God, that you would help those that may feel like they're down in a pit of depression or backslidden condition or whatever it may be. Lord, uh, I pray that you would help them. Uh, Maybe they need to come this morning and, and pray about that or maybe get somebody to pray with them. And so, Lord, I pray that these would come that lifted their hand, and I pray, Lord, for your people to respond as you would have them. We ask it in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. As we begin the invitation, would you come today? God's spoken to you. Would you come? That's right. Step out as others are coming. Would you come today? come today would you come also would you step out let him have his way with you would you come done what God has told you to do today? Have you done what he told you to do?